Thanks for uh, being here today. It's Memorial Day is a, a great weekend, right? Josh mentioned that we don't you don't have to go to work tomorrow, which is personally my favorite part. Anytime you get an opportunity to skip work, right? It's it's great. And for a lot of you, probably your kids either got out of school this week or are getting out of school this week. And for some of you, that might be really exciting. For some of you, like me, it's more work to try and figure out what we're going to do with them all day. So uh, we're really excited for you to be here. So if you would, pull out your Bibles. Um, if you do not have a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible underneath your chair. We're going to be on page 1007 in that Bible. And if you do not have a Bible at home, feel free to take that one home with you. Uh, it's our gift to you, and the only condition on it is that you got to read it, right? It'll change your word or change your life. So page 1007, we are going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And if you would, in reverence and honor of the reading of God's word, would you please stand with me? All right, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show them wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for, your, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and we, of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the, holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God, our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about three thousand souls. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and take a seat. I know that was a lot, and I appreciate you all standing through it. Uh, I've timed that. I know exactly how long you stood, but I'm going to be up here for another 25 minutes, so I don't feel bad. So, um, it's a lot to cover, though, right? It's a lot to cover in one day, and this is one of the more exciting moments, I think, in the book of Acts. See, We've been studying Acts, and we're going to be walking through Acts for the rest of the summer. And for those of you who don't know, the book of Acts is actually kind of an extension of the Gospel of Luke. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he also wrote the book of Acts. And in this passage, what we see is the birth of the church. And that's an exciting moment. That's the reason that we are all sitting here, right? So let's stop and think about that for a second. The birth of the church took place when Peter was speaking not in the time of Christ's ministry, right? By that I mean there weren't this many people added to Christ's numbers, right? Really, the, the relationship with Christ and what he did with his disciples, they were all added. The church had its foundations, but this is where it spreads. And what's really interesting to me is Christ's ministry was roughly six years, right? And during that time, Jesus took a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he fed thousands of people, in that same time, he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He even raised a little girl from the dead. And yet, we never see numbers added to, 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 the, to the church like we do in the book of Acts. So why is that? I think that's a fair question that we have to ask ourselves. Why did it change? So, and if you've been here with us the last couple of weeks, you know that, like Josh mentioned, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit coming to uh, Christ's followers. So last week, we were talking about the Pentecost, and the Pentecost is this moment where uh, everyone, or all, all the Jews gather together to celebrate the harvest of the grain. And so what that means is, is that we have, we have Jews from all different areas speaking different languages and different cultures. And while they're sitting there, a group of Galileans, specifically Christ followers, are sitting in a house, and there suddenly is a sound like a rushing wind. And over their heads appear fire-like tongues. And in that moment, they suddenly can speak all different languages. So the first thing that they do is they run out into the crowd, and they start speaking to all these different people who speak different languages, and it creates quite a bit of commotion. Right? That's what I would expect. Is so suddenly I could speak a different language and I'm talking to someone who can understand me who t 10 minutes ago I couldn't have. Right? So there's this commotion and there's chaos. And some of the people stand there and they say, man, what does this mean? Well, another portion of them says, surely these men are filled with wine. Surely they're drunk. And that's where Peter picks up. Peter says, Peter says these men are not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Remember the words of the prophet Joel? Do you remember that he said, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, on men and women, on young and old, on servants and masters. He will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And do you know what else Peter says? While I'm at this, do you remember Jesus of Nazareth? Remember the guy that worked all of these mighty miracles? The man that you crucified through the hands of lawless men? He is not dead. He is alive. 
His tomb is empty, and death could not contain him. See, when David the prophet said that the Holy One would not see corruption, he wasn't talking about himself. When he said his soul would not see Hades, he was not talking about himself. He was talking about Jesus. David's tomb is still present today. His body still lays in that tomb, but Christ's tomb is empty. Jesus was raised up by God and we were all witnesses to it. And now, being exalted to the right hand of God, he has fulfilled the promises that he made through the prophet Joel and through the, through the prophet David. God has made Jesus Lord and Christ, Peter says. And he says, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. This is what we were waiting for. This is our moment. And then in verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. See, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is convicting them of their sin. What he's done is he's instilled in them this sense of, of wrongdoing. He shed light on the fact that they have willfully and intentionally disobeyed the Lord. And Peter has said to them, laid out for them how this is the Messiah and how they allowed him to be crucified and the reality is, we were took part in that crucifixion. See, it wasn't just the men and women who, who crucified Christ that were standing there. It was you and me. The reality is, is that it was our sin and our failure and our shortcomings that held him to the cross. He suffered and he bled and died because of our sin. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us owe the penalty for our sin. And that's what the Holy Spirit is, is convicting these people of. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of our sin before we enter into a life of obedience of Christ. Before we know Christ, before we know what it's like to have that relationship, the Holy Spirit convicts us and brings us to this place. In John 16, it says, uh, Christ is speaking about the Holy Spirit, and he says, and when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. I remember the first time that I felt convicted of my sin. I grew up, uh, like many of you here, I grew up going to church. In fact, I grew up going to this church. Uh, it used to be called Grace Baptist, and I was a little kid, and I came here, and a lot of people still, still go here. And I grew up in a home with loving parents who were supportive and kind, and, and I would argue were the best parents on the planet. But then I turned 16. And I, as, I, as I was maturing, I decided that I wanted to explore the world and find out what it was for myself. And, and when I went away to college, I got involved with a group of pretty rough guys, and, and I spent a lot of my free time um, out partying, right? And so I remember one night, I came home from a, from a night of debauchery, we'll say, right? A terrible night, and I shouldn't have been out doing. And I was, I was laying in bed watching Oprah at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and Faith Hill came on. Now, it was a bad enough position that I was in, being watching Oprah at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but that whole day, I'd had this weird inkling, this weird, just, it was just an off day. Something didn't feel Right, and I couldn't explain it at the time, but now looking back, what I see is the Holy Spirit pushing me and prodding me towards Christ. And so I'm laying there, and I'm watching Oprah, and Faith Hill comes on, and she sings, I Surrender All. 
the very song that we, we sang today. And the words in that moment cut me so deeply that I rolled off the bed and I started begging and pleading that Jesus would just transform my life, that he would rescue me, that he would take me off the path of destruction that I was heading down and that he would bring me into his grace and into his arms. And that wasn't Oprah, for sure. It wasn't the song of Faith Hill. It was because of the Holy Spirit. And that's where these Jews are at right now. In this moment, the Holy Spirit is moving in their heart and has revealed to them that they need something greater than what they were expecting. See, the Jews were expecting a Messiah to come and deliver them from Rome or from their oppressors, right? They were expecting Israel to be elevated up. But what they're now seeing is that it was something much bigger than that. And you can see that they realized they missed it. You can see the sense of panic that comes from the, from the language that they use. In verse 38, they turn to the disciples and they say, brothers, what shall we do? And the language here is really specific. They're not turning to the disciples and saying, well, what do we have to do to be saved? What they're, say, what they're saying is, oh no, we missed it. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? The Messiah came and we weren't ready and we missed it. What are we gonna do? And Peter's response is really simple. Repent and be baptized. Can you imagine being in that position? Imagine missing out on the Messiah? I realized a few weeks ago, I heard a new acronym. It's called FOMO. Who here knows what that is? Show of hands. You guys are making me feel a lot better at how many people didn't know what that was. That stands for fear of missing out. And if it were a disease, I have it, okay? I always think that there's something better going on somewhere else. And I'm not paying attention to what's going on in front of me, looking forward to the next thing. And each and every year, my wife and I go up to the, the, the sheep herding trials at Soldier Hollow. Like most young married couples, I think the first thing that you do is you say, we're not ready for the responsibility of a kid, but we definitely could take on a dog because you can stick that thing outside if you need to, right? <laughs> so we bought a border collie. And I don't know if any of you have ever owned a Border Collie, but what I can assure you is that Border Collies are smarter than your dog. And so, if you go up to the sheep herding trials, you will see these incredible relationships between the dogs and the shepherds. And what they do is spectacular. And I get really excited to go see it. So a couple years ago, I turned to Bree and I'm like, hey, when are we going up to see the, uh, to see the sheep dogs? And she goes, Jake, that was last weekend. And I was so devastated. It broke my heart. And, I, and, and it's something that I can go to the following year. It's just a year away, and I could go see it again. These people have been waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years. Their parents, 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 parents have been waiting for the Messiah, and he showed up, he walked in their midst, they saw him in his presence, and they missed it. They were not prepared for it. And I cannot imagine the misery that comes with that. And so there's this sense of panic and they start asking the disciples, what are we going to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And repent is one of those church words, right? We always say, repent. And what does repent mean? Repent is that sincere desire to turn away from the life that you are currently living. To repent is to, to renounce sin and it's a commitment to the Lord that, you're not gonna, that you will not act that way anymore. And Peter's message to them is very simple. Jesus Christ is Lord. He conquered sin and death. And all you have to do 
is turn to him and he will transform your life. So we've already seen, Peter's already had this experience with the transformative power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. If you look back in the Gospel of Luke, one of the things you will see is the denial of Peter. And the denial of Peter is probably the first thing that comes to most people's minds when they think of Peter. See, Jesus is being led away and Peter's following behind him. And as he's following behind him, a woman spots him and says, hey, isn't that one of Jesus' followers? And Peter's like, whoa, lady, no, you, you got the wrong person. And then a few minutes later, another person spots him and says, hey, that's one of Christ's followers. And he says, no, that is, I don't know what you're talking about. I am not him. And then it happens a third time. He denies knowing Christ. And in that moment, a rooster crows and he remembers a conversation that he'd had with Christ earlier that day. During that course of that conversation, in all, with all of his male bravado and on, on acting like he was a big deal, Peter says, hey, Jesus, you know what? I will go to prison for you. I will die for you. And Jesus says, no, you won't. He says, Peter, you'll deny knowing me three times before the rooster crows tonight. And now, we fast forward a few weeks, and now Peter's standing in front of the very same crowd that he's just accused of crucifying Jesus, and he's boldly proclaiming the gospel. He stands up in front of them all and says that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no hesitancy and this is the same Peter that a few weeks ago blatantly denied who Christ was. What changed in him? The answer is simple. If we turn back to Acts 1.8, it reads, you will, receive the pow you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The transformation in Peter takes place because the Holy Spirit has come upon him. He was sitting in the house with the other Galileans, the other followers of Jesus, and, his, and, and it has given him, empowered him to go out and proclaim the good news. And that's where I wonder if we can be that way. See, the Holy Spirit can do the same thing for you and me and for flourishing grace. Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen someone and you know that they just need Jesus? That their life is so broken and that the good news could change who they are? Or maybe you've been at work and you've heard a conversation and thought, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because I don't wanna, I don't wanna offend that person. Or, or worse yet, I don't want to be rejected because of what I say. What we, our goal should be to be like Peter, and that only happens through the transformation of the Holy Spirit. What if we were a people who prayed that the Holy Spirit would empower us to share the good news? That if we prayed to say, Lord, give me the boldness to declare your mighty works, to tell everyone about the good news, the gospel must be preached. We must share it. It's the greatest news that anyone has ever heard and anyone will ever know. And what if we were a church that allowed the Holy Spirit to transform who we are? In Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says of his thankfulness, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? 
and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. The Holy Spirit reveals the character of God to us and empowers us to tell other people about what Jesus has done in our life and what he's done for each and every single person. I asked earlier, what happened? What made Peter's sermon so great that 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day? The answer is the Holy Spirit. Certainly, this is one of the greatest sermons that's ever been recorded. I don't want to diminish that. If your sermon gets recorded in the Bible, obviously it's great. But Luke isn't trying to tell us how great Peter's sermon is. He's not trying to tell us that there are magic words that lead to the transformation of people's lives. What he's telling us is that the Holy Spirit, that the gospel changes people. And he's telling us that the good news, it isn't complicated. He says, we all have sinned. We all owe the penalty for our sin, but Jesus put on flesh and died out of his great love for us. John 3, 16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save it. The message of the gospel radically changes who we are and all that it requires is that we call upon the name of the Lord. In verse 21, Peter quoted the prophet Joel and he said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In verse 38, after the crowd is asked what they should do, he says, repent and be baptized. He doesn't say you have to do this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And then once you've done all of that, once you've done everything that you can do, then maybe you'll be good enough. He doesn't say, you know what, as long as you haven't done this thing and you haven't done that thing, you can, you can be saved. He says, repent and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. This is the good news that Christ died for everyone. So you might be sitting out there thinking to yourself, you know what, you don't know me. You don't know the position I've been in. Or maybe for the first time, you feel convicted of your sin. You feel the weight of what your sin is doing to your life. The Holy Spirit is convicting you that you need a savior. You cannot do this on your own. And Joel declares that all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. Christ died and poured out his spirit for all flesh, for every single person, regardless of where you've come from. This isn't a list of to-dos. This is God stepping into time and dying for our salvation. All you must do is simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. For the rest of you sitting out there, maybe you've called yourself a Christian. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for years. Luke's telling us to stop and 
In this moment, invite the Holy Spirit to transform your life. Do not wait another day. The prophet Joel said that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, and then he went on to follow it by saying, with, on your, your sons and your daughters, meaning on males and females, on servants and masters, on young and old, this Holy Spirit does not discriminate. And so what we need to do is pray and call upon the name of the Lord so that the Holy Spirit will transform our lives so that we can be a people that boldly goes out into the community and declares that Jesus Christ is Lord. To pray that we have, that, the, that God would empower us in a way that we would lovingly and kindly share the word of God with our coworkers, but not fearfully withhold it. We are being called to go out into our communities and transform it. And think about what we are capable of doing in South Davis County as a group of believers who are being transformed by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, loving our neighbors, telling them about the good news. This world would be different. So don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait to experience the joy of Christ today so that when the day comes, you're not standing before him saying, I missed it. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, you have called us to be a people who serves you and loves you. And Lord, of us, you've asked very little to just come before you and declare that you are our Savior but Lord, we realize that while the, that process is simple, the task is not. And God, we pray that as we leave this place, that we would be a body of believers who boldly declare the good news, that you would empower us, Lord, to share what you have done for all people, and that, Lord, people would know you as a result of our transformations, Lord, that you would be moving in this community and that we would be a tool for you. God, we thank you for the mercy and grace and love and sacrifice that you made, that you were willing to die for us on a cross when we had openly sinned against you. And I got, God, I pray that you would radically transform who we are and the communities around us. And we say these things in your name. Amen.